0: I'm Dwayne Brummett, he's Ali Albarigo, and this is the School Owner Talk podcast. Hello and welcome again to the School Owner Talk podcast. Uh, Ali, great to be with you, sir, and uh, you doing well? Yeah, I I am.
1: I can't complain. I'm a little stressed out. We have our tournament this weekend. It's going to be a big event, you know, so that kind of stuff. is just always on your mind. What day Uh, is your tournament? Sunday? Sunday. Yeah, the 17th. So uh, it's like Friday night, I have to go to a wedding. Saturday, I'm teaching a seminar at my friend's dojo, a really cool virtual seminar at my That would be you? (laughs) Yeah, that would be you, which is exciting. Like I told my students and they're like, wow, that's cool. I get to... You know, that they're like, I'm going to try to set it up where I could have a big screen for them to watch as well as you guys. You know, when we and I'll get you the link, by the way, later, I'll give you my link. Um, Okay. And uh, but yeah, that's exciting. And then set up after your seminar that I teach and I have to go and set the gym up, then I'll relax a little. And then the next day I'm up at 6 a.m. and I go to like 7 p.m. So it's uh, this week. I just dread because it's a long, long week.
0: Yeah, but then, uh, what, you got a vacation coming up, right?
1: Yeah, then I'm home Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I go to Nashville for four days. Yep, that'll be fun. Yeah, I've never, I mean, I was there when I was a kid, so that was fun back in the day. I remember the Grand Ole Opry and things like that, but as an adult, I haven't been there. My wife loves, just loves country music. I'm kind of, you know, I enjoy it, I could tolerate it. I'm a much more of an '80s metal band guy, but uh, but we're excited. You know, I heard there's some amazing restaurants and some fun places to go, and we're trying to get in the Grand Ole Opry and see a show, and it should be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, even if you do the Grand Ole Opry tour, it was was is really good. Yeah, that's what
1: we're setting up to do that. Yeah, it should be yeah. fun. So today, so, we, you want to go over? Go go tell us, everybody.
0: Yeah. So today we're going to talk about um, uh, martial arts testings and graduations. Um, this was prompted really because uh, I had given call, uh, Ali a call earlier in the week and, and we were looking to maybe do some things that were different. I wanted to bounce some ideas off of him. But, uh, you know, really, we want to kind of talk about the significance of testing. Obviously, the journey through uh, color belts, the road to black belt. And then really, I think the transformational power of actually having uh, testings as well. Because I think that those uh, uh, really can be vitally important. So, uh, yeah. anything else before we hop on? Well, no. What I do want to make sure that we cover, which we will, I'm sure, is to
1: to really get the the energy behind the concept of testing. Like, and we can explain that more later on. But really, like understanding the value of what a test is and why, and so on.
0: Yep. Well, I know. Um, you know let's kind of dive into the first segment if you will with yeah. regards to the significance of the testing and um you know exploring maybe why martial arts testing is really a pivotal moment in yeah. uh, a practitioner's journey so can you talk a little bit about that
1: yeah and i'd like to point out that like back when i was a, a martial art you know student coming up the ranks i was never allowed to ask about a test like if i was a belt And I asked, hey, when am I getting my next belt? My teacher would penalize me and say, now you're waiting six more months. Because his goal, and I like the mindset, was it's not about the belt. It's about the training. And I have a good friend that we've done some interviews with and stuff like that, Sensei Anthony Arango. He has from beginner to black belt. Once you become a black belt, there aren't any degrees. It's not first, second, third, fourth, fifth on. It's just black belt. And everyone just continues to train. Like there's no real black belt levels, right? It's just being a training student and getting better at what you do. And um, I like that mindset a little too, because I do think people get caught up in the belt system. They get caught up in the ranking too much. So like a parent, well, my son is bored. He didn't get his yellow belt yet, or he wants to quit because his friend got his belt before him. Yeah. That kind of thing. But yeah, I think that that's, you know, the significance of testing is really the monitoring, right? Right. Knowing where you're at and what you need and how to improve. It's like goal setting 101.
0: It is. It's goal setting. Like you said, it's measuring the progress. It's, uh, uh, if done right, I think it's building the, uh, the muscle of discipline that yeah. you've got to do hard work. Uh, you got to put the work in to get the results, really. And you know what, Dwayne, I like about your
1: school? Like you have this kind of I don't want to call it old school, but you kind of do in a way where, you know, you have like a three strike rule and if people don't do what they're supposed to do, they get like an essay or they get, you know, reprimanded and and realigned as far as the track that they should be on. Are not allowed to test. Yeah. And then not allowed to test. They can get, like I had a dad the other day, we started this, I think we talked about last week, I started this letter, unprepared letter. And uh, if people come to class without their necessary gear, after I've done like jump through 70 hoops to remind them, and they still show up without their equipment, I hand them this letter. And the letters, in my opinion, is is stern but nice, and and asking them for their help to prepare their kids and get them ready so that we could teach them. And I already had one parent said he's not going to continue. He doesn't like like the the you know the the letter. You know he's mad at me because we want his kids to learn his kid to learn and we want them to come to class prepared he doesn't like that so i'm like kind of sometimes i'm like wow i don't i just don't understand the world we live in right anymore but you're right though that discipline the you know setting goals measuring and by the way we have to teach them to measure their progress right how they need to know what they need to know so that they could progress forward not us Right. It's yeah. too much babying.
0: Yeah. It's not our responsibility to make sure that, you know, the material, right. You know, you have to take ownership in it. And, yeah. um, you know, that's part of the testing process. And, and I don't know about you, but we used to do the testing. Uh, let's, and again, we're doing, talking about below black belt, but we would right. do below black belt testing and, uh, the individual would come up to the test and they weren't, they really didn't measure up but I didn't want to flunk them right on the test. Right, right. So I would tell them when I tie their belt, you know, hey, look, there, there's these two things that you need to work on. We need to make lessons yeah. to do it and catch you up or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I just, I found that that was really not being true to the testing process. Right. So hopefully to alleviate that, we instilled skill stripes that have to be earned Mm-hmm. in order to go to the test. So if you don't earn your skill stripes in class, then you can't even go to the test to flunk, right? Right,
1: right, right. right. <laughs> and,
0: and most of the people that go to the test should actually pass the test then because they've earned their skill stripes. And so we tried to, you know, not, not have the, just the big goal of getting to the test, but the small little minor goals. So for instance, you know, we've got a skill stripe for hand technique, foot technique, form, self-defense, yada, yada, yada just so that they could break those, that big goal down into small goals in order to, you know, get to that test. Does that kind of make sense? Totally, totally makes sense. I I think that,
1: so when I was in Japan and, and we were going to like our, our initial goal to go to Japan to train with the master and get rank recognition and promotions so that we could come back and teach our students. Um, and, uh, It was different over there because you would learn the material, you would study the material, you'd test, and they'd give you a percentage grade like you would get 98%, 95%. Anything below 90% was a fail. And you'd have like six shihans there judging you. Some were really hard-nosed and you'd get low scores. Others were not as bad, but it was up to you. Like if you didn't do well, you inevitably knew you were going to fail. And it was your responsibility to come back and do it again. If you didn't, they didn't care. You just stayed at the rank you were. It wasn't like they were as interested as you and I are to move our students and progress them through the ranks because uh, in our school, we know if they don't move forward, they're probably going to quit, right? So that's that's a little harder. We're like kind of doing this balancing of scales to try to make sure we don't ruin self-esteem, we keep them motivated, we keep them going, but at the same time, you know, we don't, uh, we don't just give rank away.
0: Yeah. Well, you don't want to do that. And, and I, I, I had done that before because I wanted to keep the students right, you know, and and hopefully there's probably listeners that, you know, are are, uh, thinking bad of me because I did that. Uh, and hopefully they never did it. Yeah. I mean, we don't do that anymore and we haven't done it in a long time, but, um, You know, I can't give you a date. I mean, we've been open for almost 25 years now. So maybe it's been 20 years since we were like, yeah, "Yeah, no, this just isn't working, you know, whatever it was. But I think the the significance of, you know, implementing a belt system as opposed to not having a belt system, because before, I mean, it was uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was no belt systems until, you know, a certain period in time. Well, the more modernization
1: of the, you know, the karate systems like kitchen Funagoshi and the judo systems, then they started to encourage colored belts so that people could be monitored at skill level through the belts for competition, for progression and so on. So there's an old saying, you know, there was a white belt and it just kept getting dirtier. Eventually it became black and then it wore away and it opened up from the inside out and became a white belt again and, you know, all of that stuff. But... Um, you know, look, the rank is different in every style. Like you could get to a black belt in some schools in two years and other schools could, you know, I just saw our guy on the, on the Facebook page for Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. the guy got his coral belt, they call it. And I'm like, I never heard of a coral belt and the belt looked black to me, but they call it a coral belt, but it's like red and black. And I think it's like being a black belt for 15 or 20 years under that system you get this specific belt, right? So every criteria is different in every school.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I just think the belts really are, are measuring tools, There's motiva- they're motivating factors. Um, and I know for me, one thing that, that I really try to instill into our students is there are um, two ways to measure your progress, not one. Right. And the first way is the outward way that is the belt. Seeing that your belt has changed, right. that's one way to measure your progress. But the other internal way, but not necessarily internal, it is out, 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 uh, external, too, external too. yeah. Is that uh, you know have 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 I, have I and am I physically improving? So not only can I do the information at bare minimum, right, but Wherever I was in last belt cycle with that information, now can I do that information even better, including my new information, even if the new information is at at you know bottom level, you know like right. whatever's acceptable? I said, you know, that's what I tell my students is there's two ways to measure yourself, and really, if you focus on the second one, measuring your your abilities, each belt level that your abilities on all of the information is getting better you'll never have to measure yourself by the belt because the belt will actually just come. I love what you said. And I thinking about that,
1: even with my school. So like there has to be a way for students to monitor their progress. And, and quite frankly, a lot of the students don't know what they're expected to look like, act like, be like, or perform like, right. And they don't have a standard because of course, obviously, the martial arts is totally foreign to them like for once one time a perfect perfect quick story I had a mom and she had her daughter it was like a purple belt or a brown belt in my school and um, she said I'd like to talk to you about the testing process right so usually when people say that I'm right I internally get conf- you know pretty pretty like threatened by it and then I said okay let's have a meeting so we set it up for like the next day at whatever time and I went through, everything she didn't know. And I pulled out all our Q level sheets, our ranking sheets, and I, I highlighted what she needed to work on. And I put it in a folder like I was prepared to come back at this lady and show her what real, real reality is about why her kid's not getting her belt. So then when she comes in, I said, you know, I know you want to have a meeting. I was wondering what you want to go over. And she, and then, then she goes on to tell me, she goes, look, I'm a school teacher. She goes, and I monitor my students based on a few criteria one they get they get homework and they get pretests and they get tests hopefully the homework and the pretests lead up to them taking a test and passing the test and then they move on to the next topic she says so your school is totally different this is very foreign to me obviously it's Japanese it's a you know different culture she goes and I have no clue how to monitor my daughter's pro- progress I, I think she's doing well but I don't know the martial arts so I assume time period if she's there for x amount of time she should be learning x amount of material because in school we've moved through three or four cycles in the grading period to move her on to the you know to the to the next level so she says i'm clueless as to what we need to do as parents to help her guide her explain to her why she's not getting promoted or whatever so at that moment like i just literally took the folder and tapped it on the desk and slid it off to the side. Like my whole entire argument of defending my, my position was gone. And I started to think to myself, like, yeah, let's like, that's where we kind of fall short in my school where, you know, again, we're foreign. This is totally different. Like, you know, if, uh, you know, if someone learned piano and they took their kids to a piano lesson and they, all they did was learn how to hit a few keys and they've been there for years, They're going to think that that school teacher sucks and and rightfully so, or the student is terrible and doesn't care. But if the student starts to learn how to play songs and eventually gets better and better, now the parent goes, my money is being well spent. I could see it. So we, I think as schools should put in place some monitoring systems to be able to check the students and have them perform so that we could show the parents the progression and imagine if it's an escalating progression, it's going up. I think that they'll stay for a long time because they can see the benefits.
0: Well, that goes back to the statement that I've said before is clear as kind. Yeah. Yeah. And when you actually have standards and you're able to articulate what those standards are in a real tangible way, not in a, I mean, because I don't know about you. I mean, I've heard speakers that talk, uh, way over my head. And you know, I need the third grade uh, teacher speaking, (laughs) you know, eighth grade. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So being able to articulate the information or disseminate it in a way that people can actually understand it and catch on to it, I think makes a big difference. So clear. It's
1: It's not necessarily that we teach in a foreign language, but it's a foreign language to people. -hmm. It's like when my guitar teacher tells me to do, you know, A minor pentatonics. When I first started with him, I I learned to play by ear. So he's like, Do you know A minor pentatonics? I'm like, No. Like and then he showed me like on the fretboard, there are like, you know, five scales that you could do that all work within the key of A minor. And once I learned them, it like literally opened my mind to a whole nother level of playing. Right. So I think that we sometimes shoot ourselves in the foot not getting the student and the parents on the same page as far as uh, what's required of them and how to monitor their progress. Because I think parents are, I keep saying I think, I hate when I say that because I don't think, I, I know, um, I, I, I'm confident in my, you know, my statement that we need to teach the parents what's expected so that they could monitor the children so they could be behind us and they could say, well, Joey, you didn't do your movements. You, you don't know these techniques. So and I and and it's sad because I we're in an industry where parents are paying us to do what we do. And they almost feel like writing the check every month and bringing them to the class and they leave the responsibility on us. And then they feel confrontation them against us why isn't my kid getting his belt it must be that you're not teaching him like but we have to synergize i think that that's what's missing in a lot of schools
0: well it's not just uh martial arts schools it's actually missing in educational schools as well Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah yeah because um they're not on the same page and it's it's always the teacher's fault and it's the teacher's responsibility for that child to learn the material when the parent isn't uh even helping them or supporting them how to read at home or how to do yeah. the math at home or those type of things, you know what yeah, I mean? Well, so, well, I my daughter
1: was terrible at math, and she I got her a private tutor, and we would take her to the tutoring class. I used to pay like $150 for an hour for her to do a class in, in private tutoring with math. And then I had a cousin who was a mathematician, and he would call her and talk her through. I'm not good at math, so I couldn't really help her with all the quadratic angles and algebra. But let me tell you, I had a choice. Cool blame the school and blame the teacher for my daughter being stupid or uneducated in the math, or I could find the solutions to get her up to par so that she was getting that level of education, even if she wasn't getting it through that specific teacher or that school. But I needed to make sure that she knew it. It was my responsibility as a parent. I don't know if parents do that anymore. I don't know. And by the way, I get it. I know why they don't. They're exhausted. Yes. They, they work all day. They're dealing with crap at work all day and clients and whoever. And now we're expecting. And that's why a parent got mad at me wants to take his kid out because he was unprepared because the parent doesn't want someone else telling him what to do. He came home like he's not going to pay me 150 or $200 a month to kind of reprimand him, and make him feel bad. But at the same time, we're just trying to help. And do our job yeah. so i think you know the belt system and the colors are just ways to monitor and give them exciting new levels to train in and, and hopefully monitor their progress and so on each time it changes with each giving belt
0: yeah but i think the testings are important too not just for the monitoring but to actually put pressure
1: yeah.
0: uh, of them being in front of a group pressure yeah. of them having to perform yeah. when they're required to perform, not just right. when they want to, or feel comfortable doing, yeah. uh, doing so. So I think there's a lot of uh, other aspects to having a, a test as opposed to not.
1: Do you pass and fail people like major like as everyone is like, cause for me in my school, we're pre-testing along the way when they become, and they know their material will set up a ceremonial, I'm holding up my quote fingers for the listeners, not video people. And, um, they then will go through the moves and then we do a ceremonial uh, awarding of the rank and, you know, the whole thing and, and so on. But I've never failed anyone in my school because they wouldn't be up for testing. Although I have to tell you, there are some times where I wish I would be able to fail people because they don't deserve it test day, you know?
0: Yes. I Yes, we, we fail people. Um, wow. most, most of the time, they don't make it to the test. Right um so very seldom do we ever have to do it on a test right um and when i say very seldom i mean i'm talking color belt test right now i'm not talking yeah. black belt but color right. belt test yeah i mean it's probably 90 99.5 percent of everybody that goes to the color belt test passes right but <clears throat> we talked about this i don't know a couple of weeks ago where i had a parent they were maybe three, four weeks ago, but they they contacted Mr. Bean and then they contacted me because their child was not allowed to go to test just because they didn't turn in their, no. it was a month ago, excuse me, uh, because they did not turn in their leadership packet. And so every, every, um, every three months, our leadership team has a leadership packet that they have to read. It's a leadership quality that they re- read and learn about, and then they have to actually do the questions and fill it all out. Right. And they didn't turn it in in time. So uh, we test every three every three months. The end of that particular quarter was July 31st. They did not turn it in, or not the, uh, the end of that second month, because the end of that quarter was actually uh, July, uh, uh, August 31st. Right, right. But you have to have it done in the first two months. So July 31st came, the 1st of August comes. Now they're contacting us saying, oh my gosh, we didn't get it done. Can he turn it in late? Blah, 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 blah. Mr. Bean said no. Hmm. and and he's not testing now i love that like in my heart i love i love
1: consequences and i love having to have responsibility like i i give and by the way i applaud you on that because like we a lot of school owners would cave because we don't want to destroy the kid's self-esteem and and to be honest we don't want to deal with the bull crap from the parents when they're upset and maybe quitting and going elsewhere. And, you know, there's a whole litany of things that we will have to deal with when we stand our ground on a system that we say, this is the way the rules are and tough luck. So we sometimes cave or we bend and we work and we accommodate, but I love the fact that you don't. And that's how my teacher was. He, sorry, you don't have your stuff. Go home. I I once had a student, one of my, students that I brought to my to a tournament with my teacher, and he was a mess. The kid always, he's an adult now, but I never was prepared, always forgot something. His uniform is supposed to be in my school with my teacher, we had to spray starch our uniforms. If we had a wrinkle in our uniform, he's kicked, he was sent us home. So I would iron on the ironing board before my classes and spray starch. So they were stiff, you know, and uh, he showed up to a tournament without the uniform and it was wrinkled. It was not without the uniform, but it was wrinkled. My teacher said, OK, you sit on that bench and you iron it with your butt until until you're done. And he sat there literally on it for like an hour, sliding back and forth until he got most of the wrinkles out. And then my teacher sent me and check the uniform. And if it's OK, let him out. But he literally taught that lesson, which was an incredible lesson. I don't think it ever helped him because he was still a mess for the rest of his training. But that's how my teacher was. He didn't care. Like if you don't like it, don't come. I, you know, I don't care. Quit. That kind of stuff. So I think that it, it's important having those belt levels. You know, making sure that people are progressing through the colors, making sure they're hitting all their stripes if they have intermediate stripes between the belts and so on, and uh, making sure that they're they're able to
0: monitor their own progress, and and so on with that. Yeah. And most, I, I would say most belt levels, they go from a lighter color to a darker shade just because it's getting closer and closer to, right? Um, you know, black belt. Now, I know that some arts and some styles, you know, each belt has, has a representation of something different, and that's quite fine. If that's the case, then I think that that should also be taught because then it just really uh, makes it that much more of a, of a deep-rooted buy-in to the system or the systems um you know in your program so you yeah know, the colors the colors may or may not matter um but if they do matter in your system i think that they should be talked about and uh, yeah. you know uh, people should know about them or maybe even oh. they need to actually be mandated that you know why this color is this color yeah at the end and, and here again here here's a big thing
1: i don't i i have all this curriculum written out on paper You know, we have a little warrior curriculum, one page because it's one year long. And then we have Mighty Warrior, white, yellow, green, blue, purple, brown, black and youth and adults separate, but they're buildable like they're all similar. But we just basically go backwards from adults to the youth and the kids and we thin it out a little. But it, it also at the bottom says you need X amount of classes, X amount of time and know your rank and your techniques in order to be promoted promotion is a gift. It's not a, it's not a right. You don't just get it because you put in the time you have to be able to perform. However, I say all those things. And sometimes I look at my people and I look at my black belt, uh, Ryan, who helps me run the dojo or runs the dojo for me when I'm not there too. He will sometimes promote and I'll look at them and say, I I don't think they should have been promoted, but do we want them not to continue and get demotivated or do we, or do we give them a book, uh, uh, you know, a gift, a promotion and do like you said before, tell them they need to catch up and keep working on them and making sure they're doing well. Like it's almost like a catch 22. I, I stand by in my heart, the, uh, the hard school old school way of you don't get it if you don't deserve it and tough luck. But then again, I'm always as a school owner, I'm always trying to balance the scales of keeping people happy and keeping retention and monitoring progress and so on.
0: Yeah, I, I, I understand that. And I used to do that. Uh, like I said, I mean, I, I, I did, but, uh, I just, uh, I don't do that anymore. And mainly, honestly, because Mr. Bean handles all of those things and he has no problem. It's okay. So I had a program director one time, here's the easiest way to explain it. I had a program director one time. She was also, my, uh, our youngest at the time, like, you know, years and years and years ago, uh, her daycare, his daycare provider. So he oh, okay. might, our youngest would go to him three days a week, just Monday through, uh, uh, Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I drop him off at 8am, pick him up at noon, you know, that type of thing, just so I could get work done. Well, her name's Dawn. And I eventually put Dawn in, uh, in the position of collecting the, uh, late tuition. Right. I was always trying to do it, but then I'd you know i I'd, I'd get a sob story and I'm like, okay, I'll help you, blah, 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 blah. I know. And I had a discussion with Don Dawn, and Don's like, uh, you know, Dwayne, here's what we'll do. Uh, you know, I I will take care of it because I have no problem because I can't I can't waive anything. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I said, Yeah, because like Don, if you asked me to be your bill collector for your daycare, I would have no problem saying Uh, yeah, yeah, no, you owe Dawn and, uh, how are we going to settle this today?
1: Yeah.
0: Or your child can't come back. Like I would have no problem saying that. Yeah. And so Mr. Bean has no problem saying that I, I took myself out of those situations on purpose because I was actually the problem in those situations. Right. But then I set up the structure so that my team follows it Mm -hmm. and they can't make a decision because no, I get the structure already made the decision.
1: Yeah, I get it. And and in other customer service areas like uh my cable company, I you know, they raise my cable tuition uh, every year payments and every year I I call up and and negotiate and and the first level is the first person, I'm sorry sir, this is the cost, I can't do anything about it. Okay, then I'm going to cancel my service. Okay, let me give you to escalate this to um you know, the retention Division, and then you get someone who says, "I can't help you." I'm like, "Okay, well then, how do I go about canceling?" Well, let me put you on with our manager. Inevitably, they're like, "Sure, we'll drop it down. We're ready to go. We'll go even less than what you're paying now, and get rid of the increase." Like, and then you know, there, there are different blockades. But you and I, you're right. Like, I I've had many people make me feel bad that I was asking them for the tuition that they owed me. Yeah. And I had one mom who's not renewing her kids, her daughter was so talented. She not renewing because she would every single month from the minute she joined was bouncing her tuition payments and um, she got mad at me. She goes, Oh, you know, you're all about the money. I didn't realize that that's what you were all about. I'm like, how could you say that? All I'm asking you for is what you owe for the month. I that's I'm not asking for anything else. Right. But yeah. she, she ended up switching it because that's how people are. But anyway, so so let, let's kind of move on to our next thoughts, and, and we had talked about that road to black belt, right? Like where, you know, it's the that's the ultimate goal, achieving that black belt, and you know, the emotional, the physical demands, and so on. Like what it, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, so I I think one is we need to make sure that we create a culture that the ultimate goal isn't first degree black belt, right? Um, just because if, if the, and that used to be my culture where yeah. you know black belt black belt black belt and that's still a cultural thing anyways right so in your school I believe that you should really um, demolish that culture and yeah. you know really say something like you know black belt is really just white belt right right um because all I found for black belt is that they they've mastered the basics. Yeah. They haven't even learned their black belt material. So, yeah, we give them the rank of first degree black belt, but are you really a black belt? Right. And so that's one thing that we really talk about. And then the, the second part to that, and we can get into the black belt testing, you know, uh, road to black belt type thing. But uh, one of the things at the end with regards to that is we have a, a six month probationary period. Right. So yeah. You know, once you do your black belt test, you still have six months that you're in the black belt class. Mm-hmm. And you've got to you got to pass those two quarters in that black belt class in order to even then be go to the graduation and actually get your black belt. Yeah. You have a probationary black belt that you get. Yeah. And so, um, you know, however many belts you have in your system, 10, 12, 15, whatever, all the way up to black belt doesn't matter. Um, we, we do have one for every single three months um we don't make them wait six months in between you know on some because i know some schools the closer you get the longer you wait before you know you test, which is fine um and i used to do that but i don't do it anymore but so we have those small steps but then once they reach that last belt before black belt we personally have a uh, a three-step process prior to actually going to the black belt test so in In essence, the whole black belt testing process is a six month process. Mm. So three months before the actual test, there are three pretests they have to pass. The first pretest for us is on hand techniques, foot techniques, and their forms. If they pass that a month later, they go through self-defense rolls and falls. Mm. And then the third month is a physical fitness test, and then also the written test that they have to pass before then on the fourth month, then they can go into, um, you know, the actual test. And then on that fourth month starts their um, six month, I'm sorry, it's a nine month process. Uh, so that starts their six month process of, you know, going into the blackball class, passing those other two quarters, because in our blackball class, we test every single quarter right. on the information that we worked on in that quarter. So there's an actual test for for that information inside of there, so our black belt testing process is a nine-month process, and, and that's that's evolved because when we first had it set up, there were no pre-tests. You would go to your black belt test, and you know you would pass or fail, uh, and and we would actually promote you right there, you right. know after the test, uh, which was quite embarrassing for people that did not pass. Right, and, and because of that, very few people actually uh, uh we, we very we, we flunked very few people when we probably should have flunked more right because i had the peer pressure of not wanting to do that to them in front of everybody else okay does that make sense yeah it totally does so i've removed my i removed those fears because if somebody doesn't pass the black belt test um, all we do is we just have a meeting with them and let them know that, you know, look, you're going to have to start this whole testing process all over again. And three more months is going to be the, uh, the pretests again, and you can start it back in right. those three months. Yeah. And so it's a private reprimand <laughs> is what it is. Um, and do we, you know, so I would say almost a hundred percent of the people that, um, you know, make it to the black belt test. Mm-hmm. So maybe not even, maybe like 95, 95% of the people that make it to the actual black belt test are ready and they pass because they actually passed the other 3 pretests. Okay. But have I had, I've had people that have passed the, the pre and go to their black belt mm-hmm. test and then not pass. Right. They just totally froze. It was like almost like a deer in a yeah. headlight type thing. And I knew that they knew the material, but it's your test. You got to be able to perform when you're asked to perform. Some
1: people, though, and I, I do know this because I, I, you know, look, I've been doing martial arts my whole life, and I remember when I would test in front of the, the Grand Master, it was very anxiety-filled and stressful, and, you know, like, so, you know, the only thing I could do is prepare to my very best of my ability, and then, you know, even if I performed at 80%, hopefully my 80% was going to be way higher than most others, right? So, but I agree with you, though, dude, that's that's part of the the process is, is to perform in the test and do bet, you know, do your best, right? That's the key.
0: I can't tell you how many times I've thought about doing this, that, you know, it becomes a cultural thing that everybody flunks their first degree black belt test and has to wait. Right. And do it again. Well with Steven Zagal,
1: um, I, and, and I never acquired any rank with him. I've just done like a bunch of seminars training with him in the past way long, a long time ago. Um, it was known that you would always fail your black belt test twice before you would get your black belt and be able to pass like it just didn't matter. You'd go into the test knowing you're failing, like you're going to fail you. That was part. The actual part of the test was taking the test and failing once or twice or three times. And and it was a way of him to see like how who was coming back, who was going to get discouraged, who was going to quit. Those are the old school ways. Like my teacher, Shion Vasquez, O Sensei Vasquez would do that, too. He would put you through these just for no reason whatsoever trials and tribulations just to see how you reacted to it. Like one day I went to the dojo and he acted really mad at me. I thought I did something like, and, and he's like, leave your belt on my desk and don't come back. And for like a week, every day, I I'd drive all the way to Ridgewood Queens and go to the dojo an hour there, an hour back. And they, would, they had like this little speakeasy door and they'd open and then I'd hear him go, Ali here again, send him home, lock the little window. And I'd go home and come back until after like the seventh day, he said, okay, come in. And he handed me the belt and I said, what did I do? Can I ask? He's like, you didn't do nothing. I just wanted to see if you were going to keep coming back. And, you know, I eventually ended up being one of his top guys, you know, in the school. But it was a test that most people in my school would fail. They'd They'd already be at another dojo signing an agreement to start training because I'm a jerk. I'm an idiot. How dare I do that? Yada, yada, yada. And they'd move on so i I love that like the journey i in my school i have a journey to black belt which is like yours but i just call it the six month success cycle and once they become eligible they've got all their stripes on their brown belt and they're up to par then we put them in the six month cycle and we track their diet we track their exercise they have to meditate they have to read my book um they have to train on a regular basis in special classes um, they have to start learning the physical aspects, which is running. They have to be prepared to do a four mile run and they have to, you know, do physical and fitness. And I've had a, i have had I had a scale at my dojo for the longest time that one of the, um, parents gave to me as a gift because preparing for her, his son's black belt test, he would run with his son, walk with his son, exercise with his son. And he lost 70 pounds, the father. So as a gift, he bought me a scale, like, you know, the doctor scale with the little sliding thing. He bought that as a gift for the school because he actually had a transformation in his life, just prepping the physical side. Pretty cool. Wow.
0: Everybody has to do four miles for first degree.
1: We're we're brutal. Like I, I can almost tell you that probably my tests are. And by the way, let me also preference this by saying like every test I gave got more and more difficult. And at one point, one of my friends said to me, you know, you got to stop, you know, like he goes, because in another two years, your guys are going to have to be superhuman. You're going to ask them to fly, hold their breath underwater for five minutes. Like, unrealistically, I just kept making it more difficult because people would step up. Um, so then, I finally got to a point where I'm like, I'm gonna keep it here. So yes, the answer is yeah. In order to test, they have to run, do a uh, four mile run. You're, normally three is required, but I always push them to four. They have to do a thousand jumping jacks, sit ups, push ups. We usually army crawl across the football field um, and do all these things, and then you know prepare physically, go through it. It's an arduous test. Like people, uh, you know, people will come back with bloody blisters, and it's brutal. The physical side. But they are in the best shape of their lives. And then they get a day off and we do a walkthrough, like a test rehearsal, like a, a day before the recital, we do a re- dress rehearsal. And then the following day is their actual test. Okay. So but but I started off with four weeks. Oh no, actually, I started off with I would call you up, I'd go, Dwayne, you're testing for black belt in three weeks, and I'd hang up. Like, and people would be like scared to death. Like I would brutal it was brutal because I was intimidated, getting them mentally ready um that was fun but at the same time at the same time it scared the hell out of people so then i went to like a a three-week cycle where they would train but then when they tested i had people that i literally was afraid that they were gonna have a heart attack during the test like older people you know i I had a girl who was young with sure will she passed all the physical like just the will alone but when she was done she literally fell down to the ground and peed herself because she was physically exhausted, right? So I started thinking to myself, what happens if someone gets hurt? Like if someone has a heart attack, what am I doing? So I said, I can't prepare people and get them in shape in three weeks. So we made it into a two month cycle, eventually becoming a six month cycle because six months of continual habits and practice changes a person's life right so now that's what we have so it's an ongoing process for an entire six months getting in the mindset so normally when it comes time for testing they're so physically fit that the test goes quicker they're they're so much more you know uh, ready to learn and, and they know their material so well it's like a piece of cake for them
0: that's awesome yeah that's awesome. yeah, yeah we, we have a we whole
1: of things they have to do.
0: Yeah. Cause we only have uh, first degree. You got to run a mile. Second is two miles and third degree is three miles. Wow. Yeah. I've had people that
1: walk one woman dislocated her knee and she couldn't run. She walked, speed walked as fast, almost as the runners. I had a guy like back in the day, like what is a good, like a, a six minute mile is like insanely good, right? Like you can run a mile in six minutes it used to be like people were breaking records of the eight minute mile and they're like, wow, he ran it. It's unheard of an eight minute mile. Now people are doing it in six, five and a half that they're Oh no, no,
0: no, More, no. Under four now.
1: Yeah. So now it's like, cause of course, athletics has improved and the training. So like now I've had, my average guys are running like six mile, six minute miles.
0: Well, once Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile, then immediately people were breaking it right after It was just a mindset
1: thing. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, so our black belt test is literally transforming their lives. And unfortunately, though, I have to say it's like they get their black belt and they're high. It's like a runner who runs a marathon. Now they're like, they're done. So, like, we used to have a saying, what's the quest? To be the best. What's our goal? Black belt. Now we say, what's the quest to be the best? What's our goal? Black belt and beyond, sir. Right? Like, you know, it's got to be like, they need to know that it's not just black belt because then people say, oh, I won't let my kid quit until they get their black belt. Yeah. I'm like, I want them to stay longer. I want them to train more.
0: So let me ask you this. Um, I know that um, Professor, um, or no, Grandmaster Hafner, Mm -hmm. um, he told me that I should have a test every month. Right, so you know, no matter when somebody comes in, every three months they're they're testing. So every month there's a test in your school. Yeah. Um, I did not adopt that. Um, just logistics wise, I didn't want to every Saturday, you know, once a month every Saturday or right. uh, one Saturday every single month to do a test.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then I used to do you know big tests where I right. ran out yeah. a rent out a hall and, uh, or even a gymnasium and, and do, you know, everybody that day. Those were awesome because, right. you know, the whole studio would come. We'd have have it all segmented out where, you know, this time this time is your starting time, you know, that type of thing. And then the graduation would be at a different time. So everybody would end up, you know, doing all of the uh, the testings in different rings. And right. then by, let's say noon, we would do the graduation. And then those that were in leadership then stayed for a leadership seminar, either taught by me or a guest instructor. Right. You know, so that was every three months. Yeah. Um, and now I've pared that down, where I have uh, testings in 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 the individual classes. Right. Whatever class you're in, um, you know you you already know because we we book out our whole year. Right. You know, so they know when their test is going to be. Um, so that's how we run our color belt tests and even our quarterly, uh, black belt, you know, progress checks. And then, uh, I was just going to say that we do, we only do two black belt tests a year. So I'm curious with, with, you know, my color belt testings and then the way my black belt testings are scheduled. What, what, what is your schedule? We, we
1: don't have one, and, and but we've done all the things that you do, right? So we, we've done like those big, huge group tests on a Saturday where everyone from all the schools came and it was a big to-do. Um, then we'd have to have, if we did that, then we'd have to have a makeup for the people who couldn't make it on that day, that kind of thing, right? And then then we went to individual tests in pockets of people that were ready to test and we'd set a date. So that's basically what we do now. And we do it during the class. So let's just say a Saturday morning at 9, 9.15, all of our kids from five to 12 years old go to that class. If they're testing, we might do it on that Saturday with just those kids. And when they become eligible and ready, we then of course check them, make sure they have their classes, their time period and their ability. Then we'll reach out to the parents, say we're looking to do a test on Saturday. And uh, can you make it? And then sometimes people say yes. Some people say no. Back in the day, my teacher, you'd never knew. So you would test when you walked in. But if you ever said no, you would never test, you know, or you'd wait another year or so. Right. So um, I never in my rank with my teacher, oh, Sensei Vasquez, did I ever test on a specific day. It usually was in class. At the end of class, the last 15 minutes, everybody surround Allie and uh, attack him. And then I'd fight my way out of it. like, and, and then at the end, I'd be bloody. And even on my first day grand opening of my school, my teacher did that to me and promoted me. And in front of all the audience, they're beating the crap out of me. And I'm all done. I have a video. that my I had a long ponytail. My hair's out. My nose is bleeding. My lip's bleeding. And I'm like, oh, it was such a great day. And I literally got four people joined that day. They were students for years. But everyone else walked out like, what are these people, insane? And uh, you know that's how our tests were, and then he'd just give me the belt, right? So, um, but for us, we do it on a specific day, on a and you know with a specific group, and we promote as they come due. So it's not like three every three months, every two months. It's just when they when they reach that reach that level of requirement, and a group of them are in white belt and they've come for two months and they've learned their material. That group will then be put on a test list. Okay. But
0: so then how do you monitor
1: that? Well, we monitor it all individually in class. Like we're watching them on and we have the parameters in Spark, by the way. Um, And it'll tell us we could say this belt level from white belt to white, yellow stripe lasts this amount of time. So the minute they get tagged and they're in that thing, it'll tell us when they meet their criteria of classes and time period and so on. Hmm oh oh, rick Rick kellerman was there when that's that so sifu kellerman wrote they did that to you at the empire state karate tournament that is the truth but that was from my black belt and they he whipped me with my belt and beat me like and and then and then right as he tied the belt on me and I got it, they called my division and said, Self-defense division, black belt adults, ring, whatever. And he goes, Go ahead. And and I ran to the ring and I'm standing there like welts on my face, but I got my brand new belt. I'm smiling from ear to ear. And one guy elbows me and he goes, Uh, would you sleep with that guy's wife or something? I'm, <laughs> like, I'm like, he goes, He hates you. I go, No, no, he promoted me to black belt. And he goes uh, he goes, I would never I would never do that. You know, so that was pretty funny. But so Rick, Rick was there. He got to witness that. I didn't know that. That's great. I have a witness. So when I tell that story, I could say, look, there were witnesses.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, really the the other thing too that's important to to share, and we do this in the in the belt or black belt testing process is that you know, we we share different uh, experiences like what you talked Ah, about, um, different experiences that we, or another black belt member, uh, had and what they learned and gained during that black belt process. Mm -hmm. Most of those individuals that we do that with really, um, you know, didn't just stop at black belt though. They went to second, third degree or even, you know, master belt. And, and, um, I think that that's also important to help create that longevity or, you know, that that future casting for yeah. that member for themselves to, yeah. to understand the, uh, the impact. The other thing, too, is we make sure that, that, you know, we share that also with the parents that are listening yeah. um, as well. And, and mainly those are usually done on the actual days of, of the actual test. Right. Um, because that's when the parents are there. And, and, you know, and I do set up the test where I just tell all the parents now, hey, look, if you're, if you're, if you have a child out here, they're probably going to break down. They're probably going to cry. They're, you know, you're going to want to pick them up and hug them and, and squeeze them and tell them it's okay. But, you know, if you can't take it, then just, just walk out for a little bit and then walk back in Um, because it's not going to be easy. We are going to put them under pressure. Um, But what better place to do it with people that, you trust that want to see the best for your child. Right. And so just know that in advance and they're not the only ones that have ever gone through this. And then I'll give a story about somebody that broke down and, and, uh, you know, what happened to them and, and, uh, if it's relevant, and it's even one of the instructors that are sitting at the table, you know, at the testing table, I, I'd let the, Hey, you tell them, you know?
1: Yeah. I often talk about that. Like when I was a kid, I, I grew up on the TV show, I dream a genie, uh, love Barbara Eden she was beautiful and you know as a little kid growing up she's in a half shirt and just you know I'm falling in love but I remember on the show they had this thing with like a movie projector and you would put these rubles in that was their money from genie land and if you rolled it forward you could see the future if you rolled it backwards you could see where you started And if you keep rolling backwards you could go into the past and then you could right. start what your future looks like from that point in time to see what it could have been right If we could only explain to people like what they're walking away from, like giving up because they're just like, yeah, my kid doesn't want to do it anymore. But yeah, but listen to me. If you stayed with it, it would literally change and shape your life, your child's life in a way that you could never imagine. But unfortunately, most people think of that as just selling snake oil. We want, it's our business, so we're going to talk about it. It's so good. It's the best. Like I often say to people, listen, I know I'm telling you that this is life changing, but ask some of the people who've been with me in the dojo that stuck with me for 15 years, 10 years, you know, the, Sensei Dylan, Renchi Ryan, like, you know, ask them their opinion and how. And so you have understanding of what you have at your fingertips right now. Yes. You just got to follow through with it and stick with it and not give up and not let your kid quit and so on. So.
0: Yeah, no, I just want to remind everybody that, um, you know, with regards to, I feel anyways, with regards to your testing processes clear as kind. So if you can, you know, make sure that you're um, you know, being really clear on what you're expecting and then I, I, as much as it isn't always good for business, I'm doing the quote fingers, right, right. Uh, following through with whatever the standards are that you, you've you created we're gonna be to your benefit. And whether or not the person quits, you know, so be it. I know that that might be a reason why you don't pay your cable bill that month or whatever. I, I, I understand that. So you have to weigh that. But I think in the end, you'll be much happier that you created those standards and your students will be happier um, because once they earned what they act you know what they have achieved they actually earned it
1: yeah that's a leaving off with we we could go over a few other things but leaving off with what you just said that is so powerful that that statement that like if you're at a job that conflicts with your moral standards like let's say i don't know I, i'm trying to think I, i'm a vegan i couldn't work in a chicken restaurant right like i just couldn't do it right so like if it, in terms a slaughterhouse, of, yeah, or a slaughterhouse, like it couldn't, I just couldn't do it. Right. So I have a hard time going out with friends and family that are not vegan. And I have one relative that always orders. he doesn't do it intentionally to make me upset, but like, what's the worst thing you could order at a dinner table for, and have a vegan sitting with you. Do you know, I, know, I a think, steak? I, I think ve- veal. Veal. Okay. Veal is one of the most torturous foods that you could ever make. That animal goes through the worst pain and and lifestyle right so but my relative always orders veal and i'm like i hit my wife and my hair freaking goes again I'm like, like i'm tolerating it you know like but for some vegans they would leave the table and, and not deal with it right but if you can't live your truth you're going to be miserable so you had said you have to you have to live according to your standards right so if your standards are not to let people pass their test because you want your black belts or brown or purple to look a certain way then don't sacrifice. And you know what? If you have 20 people, maybe 10 of them won't like it and 10 will, 10 will quit. But the 10 that you keep are in line with your values. Like, you you know, you're not going to go to a satanic temple when you're a Christian. You know what I mean? Like you can't just go, it's okay, they're still nice people. I'm going to...
0: You might go to witness, but you know
1: what I mean? Like you've got to really be true to what you believe in. And I think that that's a big lesson what you had just said is a big lesson for business owners and school owners to not sacrifice your integrity. Yeah, I agree. It's not convenience morality. You just do it and be moral and ethical when you want, you have to live that truth every day or else you end up dying and being, you know, unhappy that with your whole entire life that had passed. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: All right. Great topic today, Allie.
1: Yeah, I loved it. It was awesome. I love these things. And uh, let's, let's continue on. If anyone is listening at a later date, I just want you to know, I still go back and read the comments. And and if someone, even though it's not live, I'll go back. If I see that you commented, I will comment back. And and if you have any questions or ideas and so on. So um, I had a certain, oh, I had someone wrote, I think it's Rick Kellerman. He wrote, he had to, I had to quit a certain franchise martial arts school because it conflicted with his integrity. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Awesome. Yeah. All right, Dwayne, you're right. awesome. I appreciate you very much. And I'll see Bye. you next week.
0: Yes, sir. Bye-bye. All right, take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Martial Arts School Owner Talk podcast. This would not be possible if it weren't for the support of our amazing sponsors. Please check out Elite Insights for all your website needs. They can be reached at EliteInsights.com. Add health coaching, helping school owners create a new and easy to implement revenue stream for your school. Visit and lead Leadhunter Media, your online digital marketer and content provider. Visit LeadhunterMedia.com. Academy Kings Growth Consulting and Management Group. They can be reached at AcademyKings.com. And Spark Membership, hands down the best martial arts software for school owner management on the planet. They can be reached at SparkMembership.com. We will see you next time.